The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's another overreaction Monday here on Talk of Champions. Ole Miss, a winner after a 59-42 beatdown of South Carolina. Got Bradley Sal, of course, and Nick Suss of the Jackson Clarion Ledger to break everything down, including some big news in the coaching world. I guess Lane Kiffin, he's the coaching destroyer. Because Will Muschamp has been fired. How does it pertain to Ole Miss? There is a connection there, and we're going to jump into it. Before we do any of it, though, let me tell you about my bookie. Late fall college ball, the NBA bubble, and UFC Fight Island. It's clear 2020 has been a year unlike any other, which is why you need a sports book with offers unlike any other. Get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boosts, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with Turkey Day right around the corner, there really is no better time to feast on some NFL action. Whether you're a first-time customer or been playing with MyBookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at my bookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at my bookie. And when you do, use my promo code TOC for Talk of Champions TOC to get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple: you put in two hundred dollars, they'll match you with another one hundred dollars into your account. If you are already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. Remember the promo code TOC. Talk of Champions, T-O-C. It's winning season at MyBookie. So come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up.
This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Today's guest on Talk of Champions coming to us on the Modern Women phone lines, Nick Suss. He covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. He was there in Vaught Hemingway Stadium as Ole Miss beat South Carolina. Finally got one of these games where they beat a team that's comparable to them. Arkansas, Auburn, those games, they let them slip through their fingers. But this one, this one, South Carolina, on this overreaction Monday edition of Talk of Champions, Ole Miss is a winner. Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? Your number one takeaway from Saturday is what? Um, I thought I thought we turned the corner a little bit. I really did. I thought that um, you know, the game was, was starting to be like all the other ones, um, especially when South Carolina took that lead um, late in the game. And then it's, you know, it was about time we, we – we put our foot down and, and stepped up and, and won a freaking SEC game. And um, it was nice to see that. We um, we refused to lose that game, and it showed a lot of growth within our team and our program. It's overreaction Monday. We've done this after every single game so far this year. One thing that you and I touched on a couple of weeks back was the possibility of Matt Corral leaving after this year. Put that to rest after he threw six interceptions, then two in back-to-back weeks against Arkansas and Auburn, both losses. In back-to-back games against Vanderbilt and now South Carolina, two Ole Miss wins, two 50-burgers for the Ole Miss offense. He has, in total, seven incompletions, over 900 yards passing, 10 touchdowns, and no interceptions. You brought this up, I think, last week, that the Arkansas game, the six interceptions, and Kiffin keeping him in, showing confidence in him, you're my guy, might have been a blessing in disguise. Are we kind of seeing that now? And has he kind of put himself back on the map of red alert? If he keeps at this pace, he's going to have a decision to make again. No, I don't. I don't think we're there. I really don't. I mean, I think that, you know, it, it, definitely his stats the last two weeks were phenomenal. I mean, I don't care if you're playing, you know, JV squad. They are um, those. Those are phenomenal stats to put up. But I think that, um, you know, Vandy and South Carolina, they are. They're struggling a little bit, so it was. Um, it's nice to see him get back on track and do this versus teams he's supposed to. Um, I, I still think he has to finish really, really strong, and, and I still think that that Arkansas game could could hurt him with the potential wanting to leave early. But um, you know, you never know. I mean, it's yeah, his stats are, are certainly um, certainly impressive the last two weeks. But you know, I'd like to see him finish strong here and and keep going. I, I think he's back in another year. I really do. I don't think we're we're in that 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 category yet. First Ole Miss quarterback to throw for over 500 yards in a game. He was 28 to 32, 513. That's 87.5% completion percentage. Had a long of 91 to who else but Elijah Moore. And that's the viral clip of Lane Kiffin celebrating, signaling touchdown as Elijah is still running and the ball has not yet left the hand of Matt Corral. And then he catches it. He throws his clipboard as Lane Kiffin runs the sideline, and fist pumps at the South Carolina 26. It was an insane game if you're a fan of explosive offensive teams. But South Carolina wasn't supposed to be an explosive offensive team. This is the same team that struggled in back-to-back weeks to get anything going in losses to LSU and Texas A&M. Three points and 150 yards of offense in a 48-3 loss to Texas A&M in his most recent action before facing off against Ole Miss. And you and I have talked about this for the last three weeks. Ole Miss was on a historically bad pace the first three games. A lot of that had to do with the opponents it was going up against. The hardest start to a season, arguably any other team 
in college football. But then they started to kind of turn things around. They weren't good. They were putting up some resistance against Arkansas, Auburn. You saw some signs of improvement. Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt's terrible. You thought coming off a of bye week, they'd be able to build off of those games against a team in South Carolina that has been bad offensively and are not in any way hiding what they want to do. Pass the ball to Shai Smith, run the ball with Kevin Harris. And yet Ole Miss had absolutely no answer for South Carolina. Are we back to square one with this Ole Miss defense? Um, I don't know. I mean, I tell you, that game was really frustrating how, how they, we knew exactly what they were doing and we couldn't stop them. But you, you look throughout that game, though, that they, they did what I was saying all year, what they have to do, and that's to get a couple takeaways in there. I mean, I don't think they're going to stop many people, but they, they did have a few key key takeaways and they did have a stop or two. So, but yeah, I mean, that's, um, I mean, just watching them line up and run the ball at will like that was, was, was pretty discouraging. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I was really, really heavy on, Hey, this is a talent issue early on in the year, but I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, there's, there, there, there's bad fits going on. There's a little bit of both going on right now. Um, with, with, with just, some, just some bad technique and some bad play. And on, on top of that, you know, that obviously the talent's low, but I don't know, man. I mean, there's, I don't know what they have to do to fix this. They have two defense coordinators. So, so surely that, th- that they're going to get it right at some point, but um, yeah, this, th- this defense for a while, but that was, that was pretty, um, yeah, that was pretty tough to watch throughout the night. Ole Miss has three games left, only playing 10. And after beating South Carolina asked about by SEC network was Lane Kiffin asked about this train. It's left the station. It's not going to stop. Right. And Lane being Lane says, well, we got to stop somebody at some point. There's only three games left. What can you really do at this point? And I'm kind of with you. I've said and stuck to, you can't properly evaluate DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge as coordinators this year. They didn't get the offseason, the spring, the talent's that bad. If there's one position on defense where you can't lose all of your very best players in one fell swoop, it's the defensive line. That's where it all starts. You hear the cliche all the time, but it's true. Games are won or lost in the trenches. But holy cow, there's only three games left. And South Carolina is not a good team. And they're not in any way disguising what they're trying to do. And you still couldn't stop them. Kevin Harris put up over 200 yards rushing, the most rushing yards against an SEC team in the conference this year. And another five spot, another five touchdown performance by a running back against this Ole Miss defense this year. I'm trying here. I'm trying to say that this is a free pass for DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge. And I am no way some football expert. Look, that's your life. Football's been your life. You played it at the highest level in the NFL. You played it at Ole Miss. You know way more football than I'll ever know. But golly, you can see it. The angles are so bad. The run fits are so bad. There were twice two runs. One of them like a 46-yard touchdown run where Kevin Harris wasn't even touched. The hole was that big. This isn't supposed to happen. I know the personnel is bad, but this bad? We're talking Wesley McGriff type of bad here. I don't know if it's to that point because Wesley McGriff actually had better talent. But you can't tell me the 2012 defensive talent was all that much better than the talent on this Ole Miss defense, and yet they weren't this horrible. This is this is really bad. And I don't want to dwell on the negative after a win. This is a big deal, potentially a turning point. And we don't just recap games. But at this point, 
with three games left, what really can you do to fix it? They are what they are. Yeah, it's just bad. I mean, it's just it, it's it's a combination of both, man. You have you have some players, you're a little bit under man, and then there's got I mean, some of these run fits, man. I mean, dudes are not keeping contained, dudes are out of gaps. Um, I mean, it's just I don't know. Everybody's stuck on the block. I mean, it's yeah, like you said, I don't want to dwell on the negative, but it's um I mean, I think I think we're we're a little bit better than this. I really do. Um, I think there's more we can get out of these guys. They they play hard, but I mean, when dudes are going untouched and and, and you're blitzing a bunch of people and they're still not touching the guys, I mean, that's just um, yeah, it's tough to watch. But um, we'll, we'll hope that gets better. It's just what we are. I mean, like I said, get a few turnovers because you aren't. So, every team for the rest of the year, no one's stopping our offense. We played the toughest D we're going to play. Uh, um, we're going to, we're going to put up another 50 burger on everybody else we play this year. Um, can we get a few turnovers? Can we get a few stops in there um, when we need it? Like we did versus South Carolina. And, um, and then I think we'll be fine from ever. This is just, we, we just, is, this is what we have this year. That's it. It is what it is. This is only the second time. Look, I've been watching almost football my entire life. I'm 34. I'm not that old, but I've been watching almost football my entire life. And there's only two years where I felt like if the Ole Miss offense didn't score and the opposing team took the ball back, that the game was over because the defense was so bad. Wesley McGriff in this year. It's not supposed to be this way. And I know the talent's bad, but it's a coaching thing too. And it's fair to say that. It is. Because Mike McIntyre didn't have a lot of good players at his disposal last year. And they weren't good, but they weren't this abysmal. I mean, this is like Northeast lining up against South Carolina in terms of the big plays surrendered. 46 yards on a direct handoff going left untouched? What are we doing? You can't tell me it's just a personnel thing. But look, Matt Corral, first player at Ole Miss history with 500 passing yards in a game. Elijah Moore, the first player in SEC history with 225 receiving yards in consecutive games. That's your boy. Overreaction Monday. Is Elijah Moore the best running back on the roster? Of course he's not. Of course he's not. Jerrion Ely and Snoop Conner are both better running backs. But hey, man, there's one wrinkle that was obvious they added in the bye week, and that was Elijah Moore being utilized a lot like Percy Harvin was at Florida, lining up in the backfield, taking handoffs, and he looked natural doing it. You add that element to his game, you look at the NFL now, there are a lot of players. Tyreek Hill's one of them. Uh, Chris Samuel's one of them. Wide receivers that motion into the backfield, and if you can show an ability to run it, as well as be so good like Elijah is in the slot, in my opinion, the best route-running wide receiver in Ole Miss history. Not the best wide receiver in Ole Miss history. We've already been through that. But the best route-running wide receiver in Ole Miss history. That kid, he's some kind of special. And I'm telling you, the only other player that has come before him that has done the things that he's doing is Dexter. That's the only other comparison. Yeah, I mean, I texted you during the game, and I said, oh, wow, this kid is really playing his way into um, – you know, end up being a, a sure at least second rounder. Um, putting that first Attili on tape is unbelievable. And I'm going to tell you right now, he hit the, him hitting the hole is the closest thing I've seen to Dex. And I mean, ever. I mean, he hit the way he was, you know, making his cuts and his breaks. He looked as good. He looked, he, yes, you're right. If, if, if they were lined up, give him 25 carries, he would have rushed for 250. I mean, he, he looked that good carrying the football. And I've seen a lot of backs hit the hole and the way he was hitting it and finding his read. I mean, he looked phenomenal, and and, and not to, not to mention he went off and caught 225 yards. Um, yeah, the, the kid. I mean, he's just he's just a football player, man. Whoever gets him um, after this season is is going to be really lucky because you only have so many running backs dressed out, you only have so many wide receivers dressed out. 
is it'd be nice to know if, if Elijah Moore is your number two or three receiver and you had an uh, injury at running back, you can throw him in there and he can be very explosive at that position too. So I thought Lane's comments on why Elijah was at running back was um, – was kind of what I thought watching the game. So, I mean, you know, South Carolina has a really good corner. I think he's number one or something like that. And he usually follows their best guy around. Well, if you notice him putting him in the backfield, most of the time a linebacker has the running back in man or, or, or some sort. So there was multiple times where he'd line Elijah up at running back. Boom, he'd motion him out there, um, you know, into the slot. And there'd be a, there'd be a, a you know, linebacker on him, which was a huge mismatch. So that's kind of stuff is just so baller from lane and staff i mean just knowing how to how to get um you know your best guy open and, and get mismatches everywhere so uh, more than impressed with that throughout the day his freshman year he's overshadowed by aj brown dk metcalf i get that sophomore year the offense was circa 2006 it was effectively a read option offense under rich rodriguez where we just want to run the ball over and over and over and we want to run motions and these elaborate running schemes passing it's complementary to this overwhelming rushing attack that we're going to have so Elijah Moore gets wasted in that it feels like he's kind of snuck up on you but this apparently has always been there because I mean this kid isn't coming out of nowhere the route running ability has always been there it's just unfortunate that this is the year the only year that he's gotten to put it all together at Ole Miss only because this is the first year he's been able to be afforded the opportunity to put it all together does that make sense yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's that he's he's just the right fit for Kiffin's offense, and um, you know, Kiffin obviously has you know he can certainly scheme for a guy like that. And I mean, he's just out there. He's he's just playing ball at another level. I mean, you look at his routes; he's just turning people around. They can't they come up and press him. He tears them up. They play off. He tears them. I mean, he's just. I mean, you just seen there was a pass over the middle early in the game where he just hooked right in one of the zones. I mean, just. He's, he's just a baller. He just knows ball. You can tell by the way he plays. He is a um, he's an NFL player out there in college right now. You said something might have been in a mailbag a couple of weeks ago that is stuck in my brain and immediately popped out on Saturday. We were talking about replacements because Elijah Moore he's gone. He's going to the NFL. Matt Corral, we can have that conversation if he stays on this pace, where he's completing eighty-five to ninety percent of his passes in every single game. Look. Regardless of what you think, that's going to be a decision he's going to have to make because he's going to get the itch and an agent or two is going to try to get in his ear and say, look, man, you need to go. You need to go. It's a very quarterback heavy class this year, led, of course, by Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. But Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, there's a lot of guys out there that you'd be competing against. In 2022, it's not the same. So if you do come back and stay at this pace, you could work your way into being a top five quarterback option next year. The problem is, is Elijah's not going to be there. Who can replace him? And, and we were asked this question, and I tried to talk about Dennis Jackson or you know, Jonathan Minga. The one you brought up was Henry Parrish. And if you watch Henry Parrish, I know that Ole Miss fans just see running back, running back. But if Elijah Moore had come in and they just used him as a running back, because really he was listed as an athlete coming out of high school, Georgia wanted him to play defense. But Ole Miss promised him, no, you're an offensive player. That's why he decommitted. He came here, didn't go to Georgia. Had they just decided he's going to be a running back to start, he'd have been Henry Parrish. That's what he would have been. And you can't tell me that Henry Parrish hasn't been working a little bit as a pass catcher in practices. And that's not something he will do moving forward. Because, look, Jerrion Ely and Snoop Conner are both coming back. They're going to be the one-two next year, just like they've been this year. 
the one guy on the roster. I, I think that the replacement for Elijah comes from somewhere else from the transfer market. I think he's going to add three transfer wide receivers. But on the roster, if you're looking for candidates, far and away number one is Henry Parrish. And he kind of showed a little bit of that against South Carolina. The kid's got some Elijah Moore traits. He's not the route runner because no one's ever going to be the route runner. But shiftiness, elusiveness, ability to break tackles and juke dudes out of their shoes in space, he's got that. You can see it. You can already see that in that kid. And I can see now why he was such a priority for Lane Kiffin and Steph once they got to Ole Miss because you see similar traits to Elijah and him. Similar size, too. I think he's like 5'9", just like Elijah. I'm starting to buy into that. And that, and that stuck in my brain because you said that. And I was like, whoa, whoa that, that's perfect. And now you're starting to see glimpses of it because he's getting more playing time. Yeah, that's what I, I thought that mainly because of what you just said. I mean, you're going to have Snoop Connor and um, and Ely back, so you're going to have one too. I mean, why not this off season? Um, you know, obviously Henry Parrish is going to get much bigger, much better. You know, he came in this year with limited spring and stuff. He's going to get much bigger, much better. Teach him some route running. Um, he's a perfect candidate for that. That way you have you can have him on the field with the other guys. You know, especially how they do Elijah with the sweeps and stuff. I mean. He's the perfect candidate for that. You know, I, I can really see him fitting in and doing that and, um, you know, kind of multitasking, doing backfield, doing doing some slot. I mean, I, th- I think he, he, he certainly fits that mold. And I think you're right. He brings in some guys as well. Um, but how about Braylon Sanders? I mean, him, him stepping up, that was that was huge. 140-yard night. Um, yeah, I mean, you had, that, that, was, that was big for Ole Miss going forward. If, if there was a guy, another, you know, another good receiver to step up and – and take over that 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 number two role. Drummond Drummond showed some stuff too. So I mean, they have potential to have a decent room if they add a few guys and and these these guys that are here get better. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal on this overreaction Monday edition of Talk of Champions. After I tell you briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Believe it, the return of Ole Miss football has arrived. The Rebels are playing. Really, it's happening. But as exciting a time as it is. Make sure you're staying safe, and that includes trusting that your pharmacy has you taken care of. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down. It's not close. So give Cheney's a call. 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday. 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Stay safe. Enjoy some football. And make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy. Much more than just a pharmacy. Braylon stepped in for Jonathan Mingo in the starting lineup. Jonathan Mingo, nowhere to be seen. Warmed up. He practiced. He was out there. He could have played. He didn't. The deal with Braylon Sanders, his entire Ole Miss career, is the inability to stay healthy. That's the only reason why he hasn't played all that much. Because the talent, he's flashed it plenty of times. That's always been in there. He's one of those guys that, yes, he should be leaving after this year in any normal year because he's a senior, but it will benefit him the new NCAA rule allowing kids an extra year of eligibility, it'll benefit a kid like Braylon Sanders because he can help you. If you can keep him healthy for a full year, I don't think he's been healthy for all of this year. If you can keep him healthy for a full year, there's talent there, but he's not a slot guy. 
And Matt needs that. Elijah Moore, he's next-level special. I don't know if Henry Parrish is that guy, but you need somebody in the slot that can do the things at least in similar fashion to Elijah Moore. But Will Muschamp was fired on Sunday in the middle of a pandemic. South Carolina owing this dude $15 million. They were so ready to move on. The first big domino is dropped, and I know that Hugh Freeze signed a multi-year extension. I get that. That doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean a thing. He can still go wherever he wants to go. I heard that Jill loves um, where they're living. Lynchburg, I think, is where Liberty is. Look, she better love Blacksburg or Columbia, Knoxville. Here's an idea for you. Let's say Lane Kiffin finishes out strong. He's got momentum, does a good recruiting class, does great in the transfer market. Ole Miss is a hot team going into next year. Well, guess what? They go to Neyland Stadium next year. How about this for a scenario? Lane Kiffin's return to Tennessee against Hugh Freeze, the former head coach of Ole Miss, in his first game, I think first SEC game, as Tennessee head coach. Are you ready for that? Oh, baby, that 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 would be must-see TV. I just hope this this pandemic's passes where we can have fans in the stands and, and see it. But listen, it is what it is. Hugh Freeze is going to be back in the SEC. If not there, he'll be in Texas. So get ready for it. He's, I mean, he's got Liberty – Liberty's got as many quality wins as Clemson. <laughs> Just put it that way. So um, he's going to be he's going to be back in in the SEC at some point. So people get ready for it. And um, yeah, he'll he'll have he'll have one of those teams um, relevant too. So yeah, that that's coming. Um, I just yeah. It's if you're an tough. Ole Miss fan, would you rather have him at Tennessee or South Carolina? Um, I'd really rather have him at Texas. I, I, I don't I don't really don't want him to be in the SEC. Um, <laughs> But well, yeah, no I mean, one does listen. if they're an Ole Miss fan. They don't want to see him succeed in the SEC somewhere else. Because I've come around on this. Fully admit it. I've come around on this. I actually made fun of it. When um, Hugh Freeze was fired, he was still in Oxford, and he's playing a lot of golf. And a lot of people I'm close to play golf with Freeze, or used to, before he took liberty, and he now lives somewhere else. And Freeze, on the golf course, would bemoan the fact that Ole Miss fired him. And that was baffling to me. I, I just, the delusion of it just sounded insane. Of course they fired you. Look at what they discovered. And then I realized something over the course of the last couple of years. Nothing matters when it comes to college football. Nothing matters. Bobby Petrino got a second chance at Louisville. Lane Kiffin, he's back in the SEC. Just pick your big scandalous story in college football, and I guarantee you there's some type of redemption story that has followed it. Will Wade is still the head coach of LSU basketball. Despite everything, he's still the head coach. Nothing matters. So I agree with him. I've come around on it. I think Ross Bjork used Hugh Freeze and firing him as a way to protect himself, to insulate himself from criticism, and propel himself forward into what he assumed was a, or figured was a better job in Texas A&M. That's how I see it now. So I agree now with Hugh Freeze. I've completely done a 180 on how I view that because my perspective of college sports has changed. No longer am I ever going to be blinded by the idea that college sports has this purity of the game kind of stuff that you always hear about college sports. That stuff doesn't exist. This is just as cutthroat. And if you look at what's going on with Jeremy Pruitt, these coaches get three years, three, only three. 
And I think the life expectancy is going down. Like two and a half years, I think, is the over-under now for coaches and the amount of time they're given to turn a program around. Get on those programs for putting pressure on them because players don't get any kind of uh, mobility like coaches do. But you get what I'm saying? I'm with Hugh Freeze now, and I never thought I'd say that, but I'm with Hugh Freeze now. He should have never been fired. He should still be the head coach of Ole Miss, but he's not. He didn't get to be held to account for that next year where Ole Miss would have been just as bad as they were. But I think with DK and Jordan Tiamu and A.J. Brown, they'd have been a hell of a lot better than they were. It wouldn't have been completely wasted. Nothing matters, Brad. And he's going to be back in the SEC. And Ole Miss fans, it's going to make them sick at their stomach, and I don't blame them. Now, having Lane Kiffin was the only way and the only reason why they won't be disgusted. Because Lane Kiffin is a hell of a lot of fun. But they better be thanking their lucky stars that Keith Carter listened to the Ole Miss fan base and hired Lane Kiffin because the nightmare is coming true. The coach that should have been the coach at Ole Miss until he decided he just didn't want to be the head coach of Ole Miss anymore, the guy that turned down Florida to stay at Ole Miss, he should still be at Ole Miss. And this is coming from someone who's been as critical of Hugh Freeze as anybody. I had him on the podcast in the summer, and we hashed out some stuff, and it was a good conversation. We still don't agree on a lot of things. Our relationship is still... Very much a rocky one, but we know exactly where each other stand, and I respect the dude more now than I ever have before, and I now see his side of it more than I ever thought I would. He shouldn't have been fired, because if you look around this sport, nothing matters. Ole Miss fan, thank your lucky stars that Keith listened to you, and good on you for really putting the pressure on Ole Miss to hire the guy you wanted, because the nightmare, Hugh Freeze coming back to the SEC and being successful, is happening. The first big domino just dropped. And that was Will Muschamp getting fired, despite the fact we're in the middle of a generational pandemic. All of these universities are being hit hard monetarily. They owe him $15 million, and they moved on anyway. They said, we're just done with him. They wanted to get ahead of the market. Why? Hugh Freeze. Because they see it too. They know their fans are all online campaigning for Hugh Freeze. They're not dumb. Yeah, I saw I saw an article where he was um, – they said he was top of the list. I mean, already um, – article already on it, so – um, yeah, I mean, he's going to, he, they're going to be after him. It is what it is. And, and I mean, there's just, um, just, um, yeah, I, I think, I think we're very fortunate to have Lane Kiffin though. So, um, yeah, if there's any, there's no one else better for the job to, to combat that, that sickness. that's going to be on all Ole Miss's fans stomachs yes. while leading an SEC team. So I think you nailed that. And it's about this too. Ole Miss for the first time in God knows how long was not just relevant, but nationally relevant. Hugh Freeze made them nationally relevant. And Ole Miss fans, once you get that taste of national relevance, where you go into an Alabama game expecting to win, not just hoping, expecting to win, it's like a drug addict. You want it every single day. You, you can't get rid of that feeling, the idea of it. And you want it again. And there was only one coach that Keith Carter could have hired to provide that immediately for Ole Miss fans. No one else would have sufficed. Mike Norvell wouldn't have sufficed. Lane Kiffin was the only one that brought you immediate national credibility and relevancy that first came about under Hugh Freeze. It was an instant shot when you hired Lane Kiffin, an instant shot of national credibility. This Saturday, what was the top story in college football? Lane Kiffin throwing his clipboard. Everybody was talking about Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is 3-4. and four. Ole Miss is not going to the playoff. Texas A&M is fighting for a playoff spot. Ole Miss is supposed to play Texas A&M on Saturday. That game is supposed to be postponed due to all the COVID stuff. 
But no one's talking about that team and Jimbo Fisher because they're not interesting in this day and age of viral clips and what can hold someone's attention for 20 seconds. Because that's all you're really looking at your phone for at a time. Lane Kiffin throwing his clipboard. That is the story in college football because it's going out on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, whatever the hell's out there. It's happening. Hugh Freeze is coming back. So thank God the first big domino just fell. And it's about to happen. Oh, man, I was going to say this, but listen. So Kiffin's first year is much more impressive than Coach Freeze's. I know I know, Ole Miss fans loved him, whatever, when he was here. You look at what Kiffin's done on all the SEC schedule. I mean, he's going to end up with it at no worse than 5-5, five and five, in my opinion. If he has the, the non-conference games this year, it's an 8-9 win season for Ole Miss. So, I mean, Kiffin's first year was um, – I mean, it's a, it's the most impressive first season by by a coach, especially for what he has that, that we've ever had. So, um, I, th- I think Kiffin is he he's on track to do what Freeze did, if not more. Hugh Freeze held that title before Lane Kiffin. I think I agree with you. Before this season, if it finishes out at five and five or six and four, is more impressive than that seven and six year when everyone thought that Ole Miss had two three win talent at best going into that year, and he won seven. So Dude, like I, and we went I mean, three like and five in SEC that yeah. year. So it goes back to my original point, though. Lane Kiffin was the only hire that Ole Miss could have made to brace for the impact of Hugh Freeze returning to the SEC. I'm all on board with Lane Kiffin and all that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just, Ross Bjork was protecting himself. And I liked Ross, and I still like Ross. I still talk to Ross occasionally. I have no ill will toward Ross, but I think now you can see what he was doing. He sacrificed you for himself. Because in this age of college sports when nothing matters, who cares? What, Dan Wolken's going to shake his finger at you? Who gives a shit about Dan Wolken? Pat Forty, you're going to have some bad national press. Who cares about national press? That stuff comes and goes with the win now. Who cares? Lane Kiffin was the only hire you could make for a number of different reasons, a myriad of reasons, not the least of which, Hugh Freeze is coming back to the SEC. What if he ends up at Alabama? That's something you floated before. Why, yeah, why wouldn't he dude. be Nick Saban's successor? Like he stays at Liberty for a year and then – comes to Alabama. I'm telling you, I have thought that too, especially the LSU job potentially coming up. And, um, you know, if, if they have another bad year, they're going to get pretty uneasy um, with Coach O. So, you know, I, I, I would not surprise me if he didn't have something worked out. I know Nick Saban loves him, try to bring him there. Wouldn't have, you know, it would not surprise me if, if, if they had something worked out. Hey, stay at Liberty for t- two more years and, and, and you'll be Alabama's coach kind of deal. So, I mean, nothing would surprise me at this point. Um, yeah, I, I could definitely see that happening. Last thing, we got to get to Nick Suss. Was Saturday a turning point? We've been looking for one of these games where Ole Miss beats a team that's comparable in talent, and they finally did it. Even though they fell behind a couple of times because the defense couldn't do anything, Ole Miss kept scoring and kept doing his thing and got the win. Is this a turning point? Yes, I think I think it is. I really do. And I, I mean, I'm, I, I may be in the majority in the minority, but I'm glad that this A and M game could be postponed. Let's. Let's play them after. Let's get some up because I, I love stepping in and playing uh, Mississippi State and LSU these next two. I mean, that's that's a chance really to get to five and four. And if we play Texas A&M after them, it'll be cool, whatever. But I think we keep we got rolling. I really think we can get after LSU and Mississippi State. And then let's play Texas A&M. Give us a couple more weeks to keep, keep getting this confidence built up. And I can see us knocking a team off like Texas A&M at the end of the year. Um, to, to end this year at a, at a, at a potential six and four. Um, I mean, that's... That's that'd be the most impressive first season by an Ole Miss head coach ever. Um, I mean, that's just that would be phenomenal. So, 
I'm excited going for. I think that's a turning point. I think no one else stops us for the rest of the year. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll really, we'll, we can really end this year with a lot of momentum. It's inadvertent, but Ole Miss will be playing Mississippi State with two games left on its schedule. The whole season hasn't built up to the Egg Bowl for the first time in my lifetime. And I can't tell you how relieving that is. And it's going to be hard. I know it's going to go back to Mississippi State ends the regular season, even though I've been calling for years. Stop putting the Egg Bowl as the last game. Let's de-emphasize the Egg Bowl. I know it's going to go back to that, but it's going to be hard for me to go back to that. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, Ole Miss is about to play the Egg Bowl. That's the next game, assuming that this game on Saturday does ultimately get postponed. And Lane Kiffin let it slip, I think, after the win against South Carolina to SEC Network, or maybe to the Ole Miss Radio Network, that the game has been postponed. Ole Miss next plays Mississippi State, and yeah, the local and statewide newspapers will do their stories that they always do, but it's not the same. It's not the same. It's like Arkansas week, where this is an opponent that, not particularly good, Arkansas has actually proven to be pretty good. So Mississippi State, I guess, is closest to Vanderbilt, but I don't want to say it's like Vanderbilt week, because they're better than Vanderbilt even though Vanderbilt played them pretty close, I think, didn't they? Mm, I don't know. Honestly, I think Mississippi State, they know it. They know it's coming. Um, there's nothing they can do about it. Um, re- really, the whole S- the whole SEC is on notice. I have, I have multiple friends at different schools, and, and I get multiple texts saying, man, I'm glad I don't have to deal with this Ole Miss team. And this is from people that are at Georgia, all over some pretty good schools. So um, Mississippi State, they know it's coming. It's, um, you know, they, they, they're probably just hoping for a postponement, to be honest with you, but um, it's it's gonna yeah it's gonna be a it's they're, they're gonna get a sixty burger hung on them and, and there's nothing they can but, do about it. But but no matter how bad the offense opposing offense is, Ole Miss defensively is going to give up a lot of points. I mean South Carolina proved that. My point is it's going to be hard for me to go back to the Egg Bowl being the end all of every regular season after this year and how it's going to be set up. Just another week, and then you got to prepare for LSU and Texas A&M. It's going to be hard for me to go back because this is what I've wanted for so long. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Going to go to Nick Suss on the Modern Women phone line. He's at Nick Suss on Twitter. He covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes, and when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say. As long as it's five stars, also available in SoundCloud and Spotify, just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Good talking to you, buddy. We'll do it again. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. Going now to the Modern Woodman phone line, but first let's hear from BNA Bank and Modern Woodman. This is Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186.
1-800-242-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Woodman phone line. It's my buddy Nick Suss. He covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. Hey, buddy, what's up? I am doing pretty okay, literally the entire world considered. So I'm glad to be here, Ben. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming back. You were there for Ole Miss, South Carolina. Has Ole Miss turned a corner? Maybe. I, I kind of wrote about it today, and, and I'll, I'll keep saying it. Maybe we've been framing this entire season wrong. Maybe it's not they're winning in spite of their defense. Maybe it's they don't care if they have a defense. They know that at this stage in their program, if you can win with offense, just go out and score more points. I mean, Lane Kiffin described that as, extremely happy game, extremely positive game. One of the most fun games you can coach in. He seems content to win games 59 42. If that's how you're going to win. It's pretty remarkable that Lane Kiffin acknowledges admits that his offense pretty much has to score every single time it touches the ball. And yet that's pretty much what they're doing. Certainly what they did against Vanderbilt. I think they didn't punt. Did they maybe they did. They did punt once once. Okay. Thank you. But the fact that, He's acknowledging it. He's accepting it. And yeah, the defense, if they get a stop, cool. They're kind of rolling with their head coach. And to be doing this, to almost be back to 500 with an all-SEC schedule and with a defense that can't stop anybody, it's pretty remarkable. I, I don't know, though, if the defensive issues are just players. Do you buy that? I think that there are such a cavalcade of issues on that defense that some of its players and personnel, some of its scheme and coaching, some of its depth, some of its injuries. I think that there's so much, I would say the biggest section of the pie chart is players, but it's definitely not just players. I think that there are ways that you can make this defense look better. They looked better last year with more or less the same personnel. So yeah, it's not just, just the players, but the players aren't that good either, so I'm not going to excuse them for for giving up 42 points to a team that the next day fired its head coach. The one position where you can't lose your best, best players, all of them at one time is the defensive line. That's what happened with Ole Miss. Agreed. So Agreed. I agree that personnel is the biggest of the pie chart, but you are right in that when you watch that defense, angles – and fitting gaps, all that stuff you hear all about. And I'm not pretending to be some football savant or anything, but you hear those things all the time. They're not good at those things. They're not taking good routes. But I've said, and you can tell me if this is fair or not, I've said that this year you cannot adequately judge DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge, one, because of the personnel, two, because of the circumstances, and three, it's a 10-game all-SEC schedule. We just don't know yet what this defense is going to be. Ole Miss is just this. Their offense is a ton of fun. They're going to score a ton of points in defense. It's a wash. This year, you can't adequately judge them. Not on defense. And, and I don't think necessarily on offense, but the offense, they're doing everything you want them to do. So, Yeah, and I mean, the easiest way to describe the duality this season is, have you looked at what the actual just raw point totals are for this season? No. Ole Miss has one more point scored than point allowed. <laughs> 
They are up 280 to 279. <laughs> the defense has been one point better than the, or one point less bad than the offense has been great. It's just pure remarkability that you're sitting at three and four, you're one game below 500, and your point differential is plus one. That is insane. So for as good as the offense has been, and there are arguments to be made that this is a top three to top five offense in the country. There's also the argument to be made that this is bottom 10 defense in the country. And that's not a good place to be, but it's also year one of a program. And if, if you're a program in year one that you can already say, Hey, this is one of the best offenses in the country. You have to hope that a coach with as much experience and with as much name recognition as Lane Kiffin should be able to get a couple of defensive players in to get them close to average. And if you're close to average with this offense, that's when you can start talking about, hey, maybe this team's a middle of the pack to top of the pack contender in the West. I think the discouraging thing is that in the first three games, Ole Miss defensively was on pace to be the worst statistical defense in the history of college football. And they'd seemingly become not terrible. And you have a bye week and you think that, okay, they've made some progress. They get this week off. They'll continue to build on it. South Carolina, they've done nothing in losses to LSU and Texas A&M. That offense was really bad. And yet Ole Miss could do nothing to slow them down, even though Ole Miss knew what South Carolina wanted to do. Because South Carolina, they're not hiding it in the passing game. We're going to get the ball to Shai Smith. In the running game, it's hand the ball off to Kevin Harris over and over again, and yet Ole Miss had no answer. So I think that's the most discouraging thing, is that it seemed like they were making some improvement. And while they were awful, and they're still awful, at least you thought, okay, they're getting a little bit better, and now it's back to square one, because this defense on Saturday looked the exact same as historically bad as the defense in the first three weeks. Yeah, and I think the only thing you can compare to what we saw against Carolina is what you saw against Kentucky. I think that is the only comparison of a team that has proven it does not have a reliable offense, just absolutely gashes the Ole Miss defense. Because you can say what you want to get at the Alabama performance or the Florida performance. Those teams are doing that to everybody. Right. Ole Miss was on pace to have the worst defense ever, in part because it played maybe the two best offenses we've seen in the SEC other than last year's LSU team in a long, long time. That said, Kentucky hasn't gotten within a hundred yards of the yardage total it put up against Ole Miss week two. And South Carolina, I think broke its uh, yardage record from this season by like 65, 70 yards yesterday. When, when teams are performing that far ahead of their best, your defense is turning everybody you play into this Alabama offense or into this Florida offense. And that's the, that's the fear. That's the danger. But I also think that one thing that this defense, if you can give it credit for anything, one thing you give it credit for is it's proven to be pretty opportunistic when it gets the chance. It gets takeaways at a surprisingly high rate for this, for a defense that is allowing as much yardage as it is. And they also have, on the rare occasions where they needed to get that stop, whether it was the first time against Auburn where they forced that punt and let the offense get the chance to salt it away and the offense couldn't salt it away, or whether it's last night where once they go down 42-38, defense says we're not giving up anything more. You can't give credit for saying, oh, we've given up six touchdowns, they're done. But you can at a certain point say, well, they've been a little opportunistic about picking their spots and pulling their neck when they have to. 
how bad did South Carolina want to get rid of Will Muschamp that during a pandemic, in a season that schools, they're getting hit hard as far as financially, and they still owe this cat $15 million, and they fired him anyway. Yeah, I guess that means one of two things for South Carolina. Either A, they are going to go with a cheap young up-and-comer for this next hire to save money, or they are convinced there is somebody available who can turn this program into an absolute contender. And wouldn't it be just the supreme irony if Ole Miss boat races South Carolina and South Carolina says, oh, we got to go get you freeze now. But, I mean, you think about candidates, Billy Napier is probably going to be a guy that gets some looks if he wants to leave UL to, to go to Carolina. They're obviously going to give Hugh a look if he keeps winning the way he's winning. They're probably going to take some shots at some of the high-profile coordinators. But, yeah, I mean, this is a Carolina team that has, it seems like, no chance of hanging with Georgia and Florida in the East right now. And if you're sticking with Muschamp, that probably wasn't going to change. But I don't know who you hire that's going to get you into that caliber next year. And I mean, I agree with you. I'd probably save the money and get it down to about eight or nine million that you're paying him to not coach you. I know it's a sunk cost. I know you're paying it anyway, but times are hard. I remember back when South Carolina hired Will Muschamp and how everyone immediately questioned it. It was a, huh? Really? Kind of deal for everybody. Why, why Will Muschamp? I mean, this was inevitably where it was going to end up. Yeah, and to to their defense, if you do think about some of the best coaches ever in, in pro and college football, they are guys who got second chances. You can't obviously say he's Bill Belichick. He's not, but Belichick got that second chance. And I Nick think Saban. Shula got that second chance. Saban, I wouldn't say it was exactly a second chance. He took the Michigan State job and moved on with it. But a lot of these guys, you give them a second job and they take off and Hopefully they were thinking, well, the expectations are a little lower at Carolina than they are at Florida. We'll give them a little bit of time. We'll let them bounce forward. And maybe they could have gotten the same boost with Muschamp as LSU has gotten with Orgeron compared to what he was able to do at Ole Miss. But it's just, it didn't work out. He never had a consistent offense. They bring in Mike Bobo this year, who's revitalized uh, SEC offenses in the past and it wasn't working. And then you rely on, well, he's a great defensive coach. And this year, the defense completely gave out. So I get the reason to move on from him because at this point, what benefit is he giving you? But I just, I always hate to see coaches go this early in a season because it's not like pro football where you can change your players midseason. <laughs> you can give stuff up. Now these kids are just playing for pride, I guess, is all they have left. Well, Mike Bobo has been a head coach before, so it's not like he's your typical interim that steps in, an assistant coach, and then builds up this groundswell of support amongst the fan base to potentially take over that job. But you're right, to fire Will Muschamp now. Look, South Carolina fans, they want Hugh Freeze. I know Twitter isn't real life, but if you look around the online community, and you're just gauging the online community, Hugh Freeze is at the top of their list. And I love how... Hughes signed the multi-year extension with Liberty like that matters at all. Because <laughs> if South Carolina wants Hugh Freeze, it's going to go get Hugh Freeze. Yeah, he's getting paid $3 and, million at Liberty, but come on. And maybe this is a race to just beat Tennessee to the market. Maybe they're afraid Tennessee is going to move on from Pruitt early and Tennessee would be a better offer. And maybe they're trying to be like, well, 
we fired our coach first. We're proven that of all the SEC East programs, we're the one that wants you the most. Maybe if that is their move, they really are just trying to get a jump on, on the coaching searches. But is it time to reevaluate the whole baseball coach to AD trend just based off of Ray Tanner seeming to make the mistake here with Muschamp and then the Joe Moorhead situation at state. And now the question about if Leach is the full-time guy, I think Leach turns things around eventually, but man, it seems like uh, the SEC's recent baseball coaches turned ADs are having a tough time finding football coaches. Going to jump right back to Nick Suss of the Jackson Clarion Ledger in this overreaction Monday edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Celebrate! Ole Miss football, it's here. We made it. We made it. Yeah, the season looks a little different, but some normalcy has returned. Now's as good a time as any then to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Think about it. Riding around in your new Jeep Gladiator, your Ole Miss car flag flying on your way to see the Rebels play, can you believe it, in style. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford has you covered. And no, you don't have to worry about COVID-19. They're open for all of your vehicle needs, taking extra precautions to ensure your car buying process is as seamless and safe as possible. Even better, they're offering customers the opportunity to purchase a vehicle completely over the phone or the internet with a delivery to your home. You pick out the vehicle you like, simply contact them by phone, email, through the website, and they'll prepare the paperwork, review it with you on the phone, and bring it and your vehicle to your home to finalize. So what are you waiting for? Why not? Why not now? Give them a call. 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. Visit them online at allensamuelsoxford.com or see them in person. Socially distanced, of course, at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. I'm not saying that Mike Bianco couldn't be. I'm not saying that this topic by itself, as baseball coaches becoming ADs, it's not like it's a monolithic thing. But if Mike Bianco were in consideration one day for Ole Miss AD, I don't think you'd go that direction. I think that athletic directors, like any profession, they were meant to be in that position at some point. They trained for that job specifically. A coach, just because he's been in a position of making financial decisions. Baseball, you control your program more than any other sport on campus. So I think that's where the thought process comes from, but it's not the right thought process. Go with someone who's trained to become an AD one day. Maybe go pluck a guy from a smaller school. It's the same thing as with the head coach, but I, I do agree if you look at the returns of that in the SEC, they're not good. So maybe avoid that moving forward. Have we gotten to the point now? And Will Muschamp, it's not the same thing. But if Tennessee moves on from Jeremy Pruitt, it's pretty much guaranteed now that if you're going and taking one of these high-profile jobs, if you're taking an SEC job, you've got three years. No matter what the circumstances are, you've got three years. And if you don't do it in three years, then you're going to get fired. And I've kind of thought that was the timeline for a few years now. Uh, The fear is, is it becoming two? When you look at Moorhead and Chad Morris and some of those guys, Chad Morris obviously didn't earn a third year, but Moorhead went to two bowl games and that wasn't enough. And I know that's a wild, wild situation, but is it becoming closer to two and a half than it is to three and a half? I don't know. It's getting really, really tough to even get your players in to prove it 
say you're the guy because how many years would you say you have to be there before the roster is yours? Three years? Two years? Oh, absolutely three years. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that I'm sad about it. I'm not saying that I'm glad about it. I, I don't know how to feel about it, but it does seem a little backwards to fire a coach before you can even comfortably say the roster has turned over to guys he wanted to coach. And it's going to just get that much worse, too, once the one-year penalty-free transfer goes through. Because at that point, you can basically scout and evaluate players from other rosters throughout the year. And if you're not dominating that market, if you're not an active player and one of the best in that market, because at that point, you can turn around programs much more quickly than just traditionally building it through high school yeah. classes. I think this is here to stay now, to where if you do not win in three years, you're gone. And it sucks for coaches. It really does. And um, you better get a really good buyout written into your contract because otherwise, good luck. I don't ever buy a house. Just be written. Yeah. And like one of the things that I think is like the most disheartening trend is I had a long conversation today about whether James Franklin is on the hot seat. And like I know Penn State's 0-4 and they're having a really, really bad year. But I mean, this is a team that's been a top 10 program five out of the last six years or something like that. And one bad start and be like, oh, you got to get rid of him, get somebody new. At what point do you start thinking, there aren't that many good coaches available. Who can we get that's better than the guy who's had five top 10 finishes? I, I don't know. I, I don't want to get on a rant about this, but like if you fire Jeremy Pruitt one year after giving him an extension because you were proving that he was the guy, well, maybe there just isn't the guy. Maybe you just got to try to do, try to have the patience Kentucky had. And stick with Mark Stoops until it works. Well, Tennessee is delusional. That's its problem. Could be. Tennessee still believes that it's the old Tennessee that it's in the 90s, and it's not. Other teams have passed you in that way. You're never going to be that Tennessee again. I just think it's unfair to Jeremy Pruitt, because back then when you made Jeremy Pruitt your head coach, he was one of those up-and-coming guys. So you're going to go hire the next Jeremy Pruitt? Or are you going to go hire Hugh Freeze? In this cli- What's this climate even going to look like? Did South Carolina get a jump on a climate that really isn't going to be all that busy? Maybe they just wanted to be the first big job because it'll be one of the only big jobs. So let's be first. That way we can establish ourselves. But even then, if you're Hugh Freeze and know you're going to be in demand, why would you be jumping to South Carolina now? What's the point in getting in front of this market when it could be a really slow market considering the financial ramifications? I just I don't get the timing of it other than they just were ready to move on. I, I don't know. And. Um... I mean, I, as I said, I feel bad for anyone who loses their job. I feel less bad when you're due $16 million to not do your job. But Yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel bad because, come fired. on, $15 million? They owe you $15 million? I'd be all right. I'd be quite content to go home and sit on $15 million, Nick. Come on. Oh, I would feel good about that, too, if I was in his position. That's definitely one of the better silver linings I've ever heard of. But I never root for people to have to take that silver lining. You're such a nice guy. Matt Corral has thrown four, three, seven incompletions over his last two games. He's got 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, a rating through the roof, well over 250. Is Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin reaping the benefits of leaving him in against Arkansas with these last two performances? Probably. I, I think that that was an underrated coaching moves that at the end of the season when we all read our retrospectives of the 10 biggest moments of the year or whatever, I think that ends up being one of the big ones. And I said it at the time that you only move to Plumlee if you can guarantee that it gets you the win. 
Because if you're moving just to show Matt that that's not good enough, you're going to get in his head. And they trusted him all the way through. And maybe that's Kiffin's detriment. Maybe they could have won the game against Arkansas. But also the thing Arkansas was doing that completely took them out of their rhythm was they weren't letting Ole Miss establish the run. You put in Plumlee, all he does is run the ball. What's going to change? But we don't need to rehash that. I mean, just looking what's happened since, especially in the the Vanderbilt and Carolina games, he's he's moved so well in the pocket. He's so crisp with his deep ball. He's so accurate when he's thrown to the sidelines. And I think the one thing that anyone who listens to this podcast can definitely recognize last year and two years ago, when Matt Corral got into the game, he wasn't playing in a system. He was going out there to make plays, to do things based off his own talent and trusting himself more than the playbook. This year, he's trusting the playbook. He's running these RPOs. He's going through his reads. He's looking through his projection, uh, progressions. Uh, just look at the 91-yard the touchdown last night where he audibles at the line. He sets up the pump fake downfield. He reads the safety off. He looks him off, and he gets Elijah without somebody within 20 yards of him. That is not the same Matt Corral that anybody saw, even last year when he looked good in games against Arkansas and Cal. And that's definitely reaping the benefits of a coach who trusts you unilaterally. I thought this discussion was over after he had eight combined interceptions in back-to-back games against Arkansas and Auburn. But now I'm bringing it back. He's draft eligible. Yes, everyone gets an additional year of eligibility. But let's be honest here. Matt Corral's in his last or his second-to-last year as an Ole Miss quarterback. So if he continues on this pace, you only got three games left. Texas A&M, when you play it this weekend or not, probably not this weekend. I think Lane Kiffin actually admitted it. We reported only on my spirit, David Johnson did, that the game was going to be postponed. And I think he said afterwards it's going to be postponed or has already been postponed. Whatever. Almost has three games left. If he keeps doing this, I thought the discussion was over after eight combined interceptions. Is he back in red alert territory to leave early? Yeah, I'll definitely say it's alert territory. I wouldn't say it's sold. But there are probably two factors he has to weigh, one in favor of coming back, one in favor of leaving. Uh, The coming back, this is a really strong quarterback class, and I don't think he sneaks into the first or second round with this type of quarterback talent that's in the draft when he's going against, obviously, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, your top five picks, but then you have um, Trey Lance, who's going to be a high Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson and Kyle Trask and Mac Jones and all of these guys who might do, work their way up to be very high picks. Then you have Corral in that tier with like, is Jamie Newman still a day two pick? Uh, I don't know about these guys, but it's a heavy draft class. Whereas next year, the 2022 draft, uh, you'll have Keaton Slovis, who's good at USC. You have Sam Howell from UNC. And then beyond that, you have guys who is JT Daniels, somebody that might be able to work his way back in is Jaden Daniels from Arizona state. Somebody you like is, I don't know. It's uh, that Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma has looked promising. I mean, if he comes back and has a second year like this, you're talking about mid first round type potential. But the one thing that you have to acknowledge, there's no way Elijah comes back. I mean, if you don't have Elijah, does he do this again? I think I saw something today. Uh, Corral's completing about 90% of his targets to Elijah Moore. And when you're targeting him 16, 17 times a game, that's just absurd how effective those two have been together. And can Corral replicate those numbers if he's throwing to a 
a receiving core made up of Jonathan Mingo and maybe Braylon Sanders comes back and maybe Drummond comes back. Who knows? But Yeboah is probably gone, almost certainly gone. Elijah is almost certainly gone. Uh, the receiving court doesn't look as strong next year. And will he be able to replicate with that? First off, Elijah Moore is 100% gone. People will say, oh, well, if it's 99%, there's still that one. No, no, he's 100% gone. He's gone. He's not coming back. So you're right. When you look at next year's wide receiver group, if you're just considering this group, that's where if you're Matt Corral, you wonder, is my draft potential? Is my draft stock the highest it's ever going to be? Is it time to strike now while the iron is hot? Or can I build on this and do this over a 12-game, 10-game, whatever it is next year? Because I think that even that is up in the air for next year. Whatever it is next year, can I build on this and what I'm doing at the end of this year and take it for a full season next year and become a top-five quarterback in next year's class, which isn't top-heavy like this year's class is. I agree with that. But here's the thing. Because of that one-year penalty-free transfer, I wouldn't be surprised if Lane Kiffin goes and gets three wide receivers, one from Alabama, one from Georgia, you know. And it wouldn't surprise me either if Henry Parrish, by the usage of Elijah Moore on Saturday, where he was lining up in the backfield and then go back into the slot, there's only one guy on this roster that I think fits that to replace Elijah Moore if you're going with own roster replacements. And that's Henry Parrish. He looks like that. He could do that. But is Henry Parrish... Elijah Moore. I don't think anybody's Elijah Moore. So it just depends on if you're Lane Kiffin, if you're trying to keep Matt Crowell here. If he does get the itch to leave, the persuading argument would be, well, look what I'm about to go get. Because I don't think that if you're Matt Crowell and you're making that decision, you're really leaning that way, even though it might not be right for you. If I'm looking at the current roster, no other wide receiver has stepped up to be that obvious second guy. Braylon Sanders really took a leap on Saturday, but that's one game. You haven't seen it consistently from Dontario Drummond. You haven't seen it at all consistently from Jonathan Mingo. We all thought that Jonathan Mingo was coming after that 100-yard effort a couple games back. But now, who's the number two wide receiver behind Elijah Moore? Who's that guy that steps in next year? And that's the question that no one has the answer to and why it gives you even more pause when you consider that, oh, yeah, of course Matt's coming back. Well, no, maybe not. But, Ben, you're forgetting that Tylen Knight has like six more position changes in him. So... (laughs) Maybe he's back in that slot. I don't know. There are times where I've looked at Dennis Jackson and thought maybe he can profile as someone who breaks out, but he's never done it on the field. He's just a guy who seems like that sort of potential. Uh, Maybe Mark Britt moves back to receiver at some point. Who knows? I know they were excited about him at one point, but yeah, you're right. If if the, the cupboard for the cupboard surprisingly dry for a team that signed five wide receivers in the class of 2019, four or five receivers. Uh, it's not great when your guys that are supposed to be sophomores turning into juniors and then uh, the only one producing out of any of them is Mingo. I wouldn't be surprised if right now, I'm not saying it's happening. This is purely me just guessing that Lane Kiffin is looking at FAU, FIU, ULL. Just who reminds me of Elijah Moore, who's balling out for these teams that nobody's really paying attention to. Who's doing it? I'm going to go get that guy. <laughs> the minute this season's over, heck, I'm going to go get that guy. Heck, you don't have to look too far. Just just like imagine he's scouring Southern Miss's roster, which is loaded with receiver mm. talent, and they have a coaching change. They've been running a spread for a long time. Maybe they make a change, and maybe you can go get a couple of receivers. Like, I don't know if Tim Jones is planning on going pro, but he's a former all-conference USA guy who maybe you can go convince come play here for one year. You never know. I think that you're right that – 
there is no reason to not scout the entire nation to go get two or three pass catchers to to court Corral to come back. And if not, uh, we're back in the situation of people on your boards and every other board talking about Grant Tisdale. Two more questions. Oh, God, stop. Two more questions <laughs> and we'll be done here. If Ole Miss wins out, I don't think Ole Miss is going to win out. I don't think it's going to beat Texas A&M. I think LSU is going to be a lot closer and a lot tougher, like South Carolina. Um, and Mississippi State, Ole Miss, the Egg Bowl, you, you can never figure out what's going to happen in that game. That game is completely unpredictable. But let's just say that Ole Miss wins out. I floated this possibility to a number of different people, other guests on this podcast last couple of weeks. Lane Kiffin has led Ole Miss to 6-4. and four. Or Lane Kiffin, even if they lose once, has led Ole Miss to 5-5. Five and five. There will be no hotter coaching candidate with a higher profile than Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. A Texas opens up. Is there a chance that Lane Kiffin gets pursued by another big-time program? I don't think after one year. Uh, if he does it twice, probably. But the unfortunate truth is that the program that Kiffin would fit best at that might be looking to make a change is USC. <laughs> and that bridge has been burned. It kind of reminds me of that movie from 15, 20 years ago, The Breakup, where the whole thing was, oh, they'll be right for each other eventually. Just the part we're watching now, that's not right for each other. And that's Kiffin at USC, where if that job comes open again, and now that Kiffin has been sabinized and he's proven he can do things at FAU and he's showing his offense can work in the SEC, he'd be the perfect candidate to go back to Southern Cal. But I just don't think that can ever happen again because both sides would have to make a lot of apologies for the way things ended there. But if it's a Texas or if it's a Michigan or any of those jobs, I don't know if they're ready to to make a pass at Lane Kiffin after one year in the SEC. I think that would be a little soon for all of the parties involved. What is Ole Miss's final record? If I had to go right now, is they can beat state, they can lose to A&M, and LSU is a bit of a toss-up, but I feel like Ole Miss is playing to prove a lot at that game, and LSU doesn't really have to prove very much. So it might be one of those effort games where LSU can edge them out, and especially if Miles Brennan's out for the year and uh, Finley's playing quarterback or Johnson's playing quarterback for LSU. I think it's a very different situation than if Brennan was getting the chance to play against Ole Miss, but I don't know. I, I think that they can beat LSU. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't beat LSU, but at this point I kind of would be surprised if they don't beat state just the way. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen when Ole Miss's defense is going against state's offense. That is whatever the opposite of uh, rock and hard places. Uh, it's a completely movable object against a completely immovable force. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think Ole Miss's defense probably has whatever modicum of an advantage there can be. But I don't know. I, I think that end of the day, they're not ready to beat A&M yet. It might be better off if they play them this weekend instead of if it gets postponed, just because Ole Miss is coming off the hot win and A&M's kind of a little cold after sitting and waiting last week. But I don't know. I just A&M's a team fighting for a playoff spot. You have to think they still think they can do that. So uh, I think that's a, that's a tough, tough win. He's Nick Suss. He covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. Thanks for doing this, man. At Nick Suss. We'll talk again, buddy. We will.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.